Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Kate Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight I'm joined by Richard, and Richard had a fascinating UFO encounter back in the 1980s. Richard, welcome to the show. Hi, Kate. I'm pleased to be on. Um, pleased to be on. It's uh, I was um, looming and eyeing whether to um, whether to come on and uh, talk about this, but a friend at work said, hey, "Yeah, you should." Um, and um, it's kind of it's interesting and a bit dull at the same time. But um, if you kind of uh, you know kind of pick the bones from it and, and, and see what you think, really. Well, I actually get really excited by people who think they have dull stories because, you know, perception is such a funny thing because your email blew me away. I was just like, I've got to get Richard on the show. He, This is incredible. And before we kind of hit record, you're like, yeah, this is a bit of a dull story. But, <laughs> Nate, take yeah. us back to yeah. take us back to 1980 and kind of just walk us through what happened here. Really paint the scene for us. Yeah, no worries. Um, I think it was about 1989. And I was in the British Army at the time, um, and I was what twenty-two, and um, I was in military intelligence. And um, I thought I just um, I'd say I was in military intelligence, and part of it was a uh, part of the training was uh, observation, observing things, listening to things. So, um, and then when I left, I, I was in, in the police for nearly twenty years. And part of the um, the UK police, uh, uh, I say conscription there, but recruitment is. Um, uh, looking at scenes and, and and picking stuff out, picking um, victims, witnesses. What did you see there? You know, what was the man in the red car wearing? This kind of stuff. Um, so I, I suppose I'm, I've always had a, a leaning towards you know kind of good observation and being pretty aware and pretty switched on. Um, I thought I'd say that. So it added a bit of kind of credibility to um, to the story. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. Um, so um, in the British Army, uh, well, certainly when I was in. 
um, you well, I say had to do, and um, some people weren't that kind of exercise uh, exercise minded. I was, um, but you had to do a adventure training for a month of the year, and you kind of you're left to pick to your own devices what kind of adventure training you do. Um, you know, one year I did kind of went to Norway and did ice climbing. Uh, following year I uh, I did kind of hill walking in in Switzerland and. And this year, I decided I um, I join in a, a Royal Signals boat, and it's a twenty nine foot yacht, and it's sailing from uh, Gran Canaria in the Canary Islands across the Atlantic Ocean to uh, Antigua, and it's about five thousand kilometres. I'd never sailed before, um, and so flew down to the Canary Islands, which is just off the coast of Spain, Portugal, and um, you know, kind of met the crew, and it was. Uh, I think there's six of us, uh, six complete novice sailors, and one, you know, one skipper who was a bit kind of stern and everyone was scared off, which I suppose is quite a good thing because then he can get you to do what he wants you to do. Um, so we all met up, complete novice sailors, never been on a boat before, and we were just kind of, you know, kind of, you know, get on the boat and just, you know, head off, and uh, and, and that was it. And the next time you touch land would be five thousand kilometres later. Um, now. Uh, as it was quite 29 foot is um it's quite small so as a result there wasn't enough beds for us all so we had to do uh hot bedding which is where you get out of a one bed and the next person kind of gets in it and it's four hour shifts kind of on on four hours on four hours off so that's kind of where it went you just hot bedded and you got into someone's bed and bloody name it's still hot and uh, you went to sleep and then four hours later somebody wake you up for you know to do it go on your shift or to steer it the boat or do whatever you have to do um, so we headed off uh, you know, from Gran Canary, and um, and uh, essentially uh, the skipper yeah, yeah, um, said, basically uh, on the night watches, you're on you're on your own. Um, don't uh, let the wind get around the back of the sail because you rip the main sail off. And I was like, oh, that's not best. So better not do that. And also, I'll give you a compass bearing and, and, and you know, kind of stick to it. Um, and then uh, it's like, I haven't never been in a boat before. I was a little bit nervous, uh, but you're kind of 22 years old. You, know, you kind of felt fit and healthy. Oh, you know, I can manage this work. Everybody else is doing it. And so as a result, uh, at night, you tended to be on your own for you know, four hours. You're kind of rigidly keeping your kind of um, your eye on the compass. And, you know, it's completely silent. And, um, you know, you're just uh, making sure the sail didn't get around, the wind didn't get around the rear of the sail. And you know, I think it's called backing sail. And it's... All bad things happen. Then the skipper wakes up, gets angry, and and um, and uh, you don't want that. So I think um, it was we were around about the middle of the ocean. I think we either before or after we encountered the doldrums, and the doldrums was a um, was a uh, area where there's no wind, um, and it basically just becalms you for a considerable period of time. Really, uh, I can't remember how how long it was a while ago, but we either hit it or we skirted around it. So um, it was it was pretty calm water. Um, so by my reckoning, we were kind of two and a half thousand kilometers from land anywhere. Um, and I was um, I was on I was on watch um, on my own. Everybody else is asleep and I was looking at the compass, uh, you know, trying to keep me bearing. But there was there is very little wind. It was it was either no wind or or very little wind. And it was around uh, I was going to say four or five o'clock in the morning. Uh, the sea was calm. You know, a couple of little ripples, perhaps it was pretty calm. 
And um, whereas basically you go along at one or two knots, so perhaps even nothing. You know, it's just that our fresh water jacket and our engine had broken. It had had a leak. So you, the skipper was using our fresh water to run the um, to run the motor, so we couldn't use the uh, couldn't use the motor. It was, it was all going to it was all it was all going a bit uh, a bit of a mess really, but uh, we, we were still going. And um, and I was at, I was there steering, and uh, best I could. And um, there was a, a, a sort of low sea mist. I've got my eyes closed here, just trying to picture it. And it was wasn't thick, but it was kind of hanging about twelve feet from the water. And it was it was, it was a, quite a thin sea mist, but you could just you could see through it. Uh, you could see you, you could see your, your vision wasn't stopping with the mist. You could see quite quite a way through it. So visibility was, was good. It was yeah, probably half a kilometre or more. And um, I was just there, completely quiet. Nothing apart from perhaps you know lapping the waves, but it was dead quiet. Then um, on the, uh, to my starboard, to my right. In front of me, I could see some lights. I thought, "Oh, that's interesting." I haven't seen anything for hours. You know, I was, you know, I was on, I was on my watch. You know, you, you sight and your hearing gets attuned to, to nothing. And uh, I thought, "That's interesting." Um, and I thought, "Wonder if there's some boats out there." I remember seeing something um, about some Japanese fishing boats that used to kind of sit in the water, and it had two masts, and it had these kind of um, lanterns, kind of lanterns strung from the from these two masts on a kind of um, on a kind of uh, wire, and um, I thought, you know, wonder it's them, wonder it's them. Uh, what are they doing out in the middle of here? And I was just asking myself these questions, and I was drifting closer and closer. And I could see these lights uh, hung above the water, and um, the type of light wasn't, it was like, um, do you know in the 19th century, the kind of Victorian sailors, they had these kind of storm lanterns. They were kind of, um, you had like a like a wire handle at the top, you know, kind of attached this metal bit. You had a kind of glass bit below that with, with the wick and uh, the oil or whatever, and you had a kind of uh, metal bit at the bottom where the wick was dipped into, uh, I think, and, you know, contained the oil reservoir, and it burnt for ages. And it gave, they give these kind of, I think they're called storm lanterns. They give a particular type of light, kind of glow. I thought, God, that looks like kind of storm lanterns. I thought, that's, that's odd. Or, or, you know, or, you know, you know, wonder what it is. Anyway, we were drifting or moving closer to these lights. And um, and uh, I, I um, was just kind of watching them, he was interested. And as we got closer, I thought, oh, I'll see what kind of boats, uh, what boat, are fishing boats? And I thought, I can't see any boats. Um, we got closer again, and I thought, I can't, still can't see boats. This is, this is a bit odd. And then um, I, I always kind of, kind of got level with these lights. And um, there were... I'm just looking out my window at the moment, trying to gauge distance, probably 50, not even 100 metres, perhaps that away from me, kind of starboard bow. And it's kind of like, um, I looked at these, these lights, and there must have been a couple of dozen, and they're um, 15, 20 foot above the water. And they're like, given that kind of lantern glow, which made me think that they were kind of human, but they weren't. There was absolutely nothing, there's no boats, there's nothing, there's no helicopters or anything older than that. They were just suspended in this sea fog, completely silent, and at slightly differing heights. They're all kind of, they were like, um, one was, you know, and then one's a foot below it, one's a foot below it, and they were, um, but they were, they weren't all in the same place. They were in a, probably covering an area of like a couple of hundred square metres. And I, and I had that kind of chill thing grab me, 
grabbed my heart. It's like in my stomach knots, and I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> yeah, I'm on my own here. I don't want to wake the skipper up and say, "Oh, have a look at these lights." I'm sorry, sorry, you are. I've just woken you up, kind of stuff. So I kind of, I just had this kind of realizing I was seeing something which was uh, not normal, not this earth, but not anything. I, I just just stared at it. It's kind of horror, really. It's just one minute you're tipping along. And next minute, you're kind of faced with something that you, you thought you'd never see. So I, I thought, where do I could be? Um, I, I couldn't steer towards them because, hey, I was an inexperienced sailor. I, I didn't, didn't want to get off my compass bearing because I didn't want any wind to get back to sail and, and screw stuff up. So I just kind of sat there, just transfixed, staring at it. And slowly, slowly, they kind of disappeared into my, into my kind of rear view, really. And they just, they just kind of hung there completely silent and just like these lanterns glowing with absolutely nothing holding them up nothing oh I mean a heavy grey I mean the lights was probably I don't know a, a foot tall and uh, six inches uh, nine inches wide and there was just a couple of dozen that just hanging there completely silently and uh, I didn't tell anybody about it strange enough um, you know I was a young chap in the army wanted a good uh, wanted a good career in intelligence and uh, I thought well I think I mean, at that time in the 80s, I think it was definitely of the, you don't say anything or your career is dead kind of stuff. And to be honest, I wasn't sure what I saw. I, I, I thought, oh, it's got to be something. It's marsh gas. I don't know. You know, it's got to be something. And, and uh, I kind of always kept it in the back of my mind, um, but kind of never told anybody until I uh, met a chap at work. He was, he was into the kind of unexplained and I told him about it and he said, actually, that's really interesting. And then I called you, okay. Um, so, that's essentially it. Um, it's loca- the location that far out in the middle of the sea. Um, made me wonder, you know, what, how were they? And then later on, I've become more interested, obviously, since the Nimitz and, and everything. And I've heard of a kind of USOs and an explained submerged objects. And I thought, God, I wonder if they were, uh, I don't know, uh, some kind of uh, markers for some kind of something under the water. Uh, you know, when or is it something under the water to come up? I have not a clue what they were, but it's it's more the fact that their location and um, what were they doing? Why were they in the middle of the ocean, absolutely silently hovering there? Uh, and um, that's that's it really. Uh, that's it really, Kate. And I quite like uh, your 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 take on it and see what you think. Or any any of your listeners have they had anything similar? Richard, that is. Absolutely fascinating. The The fact that you're 2,000 kilometers away from any kind of like land really does make you wonder what were these things? Because, you know, this is 1989 and, you know, drone technology wasn't a thing really back then. And I don't know if you had a radar on this boat or not, but did you notice these things on the on the radar by any chance? Um, we're talking basic here. Across, I mean, looking at back, back at it now, um, it's pretty foolhardy, really. I mean, a skipper was we found out pretty inexperienced. Um, we've never <laughs> been in a boat before, um, and it's it's pretty much he's the only one on the boat knows what they're doing. If he if something happened to him and he croaked it, we'd been I don't know, we'd been absolutely scuppered. Wow! But. Um, yeah, it was, look at the compass, don't bat the sail, don't wake me up. And you're like, oh, you know, fair enough. I'll, um, you, you, know, you know, I need to keep these guys alive. This is what I'm going to do, you know, and you're, you're pretty kind of um, 
but that's it. You know, I, I, I'm sure we must have had something. Um, I remember going down to the cabin, there were you know, radios and this and that, but uh, I didn't remember anything particularly advanced. Um, it, was, it, was, it was basically, uh, as we were talking to the British Army here, we were kind of, I don't think we've ever, ever been, we've had too much money. <laughs> especially not spiritual on adventure training we're, we're pretty pretty much uh, pretty much down on the bare bones so um if there was a radar you certainly wouldn't let me use it i should uh, i imagine um it was it was it was basically as i said in the army the, the mark one eyeball um and <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's a mark one eyeball and you know there we are you're kind of looking at it and and because it took I mean, it must have been half an hour, I suppose. It was a decent period of time because I wasn't going fast. And these things were just there. And, I, and I, obviously, as, as we were approaching, the angle changed because obviously your angle to the lights changed. You could see they were stationary, but they were all slightly different heights than just just there. And um, and I, you know, I got close enough to see Christ. It's, it's, it's not, they weren't glowing orbs that I can, I've never seen a glowing orb. But in my mind, I pitched some kind of real kicking out a lot of light but these were these were just there like you know like uh, at the end of a runway you know those kind of the yeah. guiding lights yeah yeah absolutely just, just right yeah like the, when I think about uh, sort of the submerged USOs I think God I don't know you um, anus going to water but now you think, well now I'm, I'm pretty sure from all the stories that they can um, so I wonder if there's anything to do with that uh, guiding stuff coming up or guiding stuff coming down um they didn't look, um, when I say, were they intelligently controlled? Um, probably not, really. They were, it looked like they were there, uh, placed there for a purpose. Um, and there was definitely nothing holding them up, nothing holding them down. There was no noise. There was no, like a drone, but, you know, it's got the propellers or anything. It's nothing. They were actually suspended in, in this very light, in this very light mist. And I wonder if, the, I wonder if it's because of the mist, um, they were there. The presence was necessary, you know. Perhaps if I looked down on them for 500 feet, they would have spelled, spelled something out. I don't, I don't know. And, you know, I was just wondering the same thing, you know. Like, I wonder if these lights came with the mist because my, my father, he was uh, a fisherman for decades, for years and years and years. And he would tell me weird stories of, you know, like mist rolling in from the sea and just strange things being in it. And just disappearing and he would he would tell me that you know he would see things in the water that didn't really make sense and then they'll be gone yeah. and i wish i pushed him more and more about it because i would have loved to find out more about what he saw there and and kind of uh get it on a on the record, but unfortunately he, he has cancer and he, uh, he, it was throat cancer. So he's lost his, his voice box and I'll never be oh, able I'm to sorry, get a, yeah. yeah, it's very unfortunate. And I'll never be able to get, I guess, a, a recorded history of that, which I'm really, really bummed about to be honest. Um, because the, the stories that he tells me, you know, like they, I reckon there would be a lot of crossover with what you've kind of told me here tonight, because the 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 lights just hanging there just above the sea he's told me something like that before and it is just so so creepy he said the same thing he he didn't know what it was he didn't know what to think because nothing was showing up on his radar 
nothing was showing up on the sonar to say that anything was below the water. And it's a real shame that your uh, your bare bones trip didn't really have that type of equipment because it would have been interesting to see if it showed up for you. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Definitely. Um, when you mentioned that, um, maybe remind me of my Uncle John. He was uh, he passed away last year, but he was a merchant, uh, merchant Navy captain. And he, uh, he worked for a geese, a banana company. And he used to uh, serve from the, the West Indies and uh, back up to back up to the UK with, with loads of bananas, you know, and, you know, pick them up, take stuff back. And and um, I remember when I was a when I was a youngster, because uh, he was always a bit mysterious, and a bit, you know, you know, he's yeah, kind of interesting job, you know. Especially uh, I was always into kind of action man and war stuff, and he used to he used to kind of embellish stuff. And oh, yeah, I saw this and that. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, he kind of, you know, to his, his kind of five-year-old nephew. He used to give me, uh, give me some of these things. I used to be enthralled, but you know, um, Auntie Janet, uh, his wife, always wanted the attention, and she used to, come, yeah, and she used to get ignored. And we sort of, I used to, oh, Uncle John, tell me some of your stories. And he used to come out with the same things as your dad, some real kind of wacky lights, and oh, we saw this. And what, what, what was a, a what was a, a, just a merchant captain telling an enthralled youngster? Um, and what was actually true, I don't know. And it's like your dad, you know, God, the guy was 86 when he died and I didn't get enough information out of him, you know? It's kind of, why did I let him die before thinking about it? It's, it's ridiculous, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a cautionary tale to anyone out there who has someone in their family who has encountered something weird, interview them, ask them all the questions right now yes. because you may not get another chance. Yeah, and then you go on a podcast a year after dying. Go, oh, I wish I had spoken to him. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's there's clearly weird things happen out there, and I mean it's the, the Nimitz episodes. So obviously, they were when well, I say relatively close uh, to off the coast. I think they were quite close. I mean, but um, they obviously saw tons of stuff, and they had a huge amount of uh, huge amount of uh, electronics, and you know, uh, to, to help them see underwater and overwater, and make measure stuff and the stuff going up from 7,000 feet to sea level in, you know, was it a second or two? They can measure all that. So, I mean, it makes me think that obviously these these sightings of these um, the, these uh, um, UAPs are not limited just to coasts. They, you know, they're, they're out in the ocean as well because I can't think of any other reason why I saw what I saw. Um, you know, I've, I've given it that, you know, I, I spoke to a few people at work and, oh, no, it's this, it's that, oh, it's rubbish, or, you know, and, but 
you know, you know, when, you, when your stomach cramp, when your stomach goes like that and your heart stops, it's it doesn't do that um, for it doesn't do that for nothing, does it? It does that because you're kind of your your first reaction is shit. Um, this is this is something real, and this is something I don't know about. This is this is you know this is odd, and you, then as a as a as a an evidence gatherer as, as I was, you're kind of like hoovering it all up, aren't you? You know, kind of heights and this and that, and what could it be? And you're kind of your active brain is kind of trying to make sense of it. And uh, you know, I like to think that 22 years old in, in the job I was in, you know, I had this, I felt like I was in a kind of prime in my life, really, I'm not really scared of anything. I, you know, forging a career, and I, you know, I, I was, I was absolutely kind of sh- shocked by this, really, and I still, I still can't work out what it was, other than something. Uh, other than something, you know, a UAP or, or some something to do, some, rather than a UAP, something to do with UAPs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, the, that's the only that's the only thing I can think. Yeah, no, definitely, and you nothing, know, that's, nothing else makes sense. Exactly, and that's really going to lead to you know some questions that I have here for you because you know you're you're 22 years old, and like you said, you are basically in the prime of your life. You're you're looking to really establish yourself within the, you know, the the British intelligence here. You're you're doing this extracurricular activities for for you know the correct purposes, and you get this just absolute sick feeling of what you're encountering. Had you ever encountered that type of fear or uncertainty in your career before? Yeah, yeah a couple of times, but nothing to do with uh, UAPs. More of things like. Uh um, venture training that I don't particularly like uh, rock climbing and caving um, you have to, you have to do it and uh, and they kind of you do you, you 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 go rock climbing uh, with your army boots on which are the worst things in the world for <laughs> rock climbing and the army you disrupt your pattern camouflage pants and your your physical training top and they they kind of send you up with a little helmet on and then laugh at you when you're halfway up and you're stuck um, it's um, it's you know and the person holding the rope belaying is uh you know, it's one of your mates who's uh, just about as experienced as belaying as you are. You know, it's that you know, that kind of fear when you think, "Hi, I'm halfway up a, a rock face, and I don't know what I'm doing. And if I fell off, I'd hurt myself." And that kind of is that kind of fear. You know, that kind of uh, a real primal fear, really. Yeah, well, it was a primal fear, and I was I was thinking before I came on this podcast, you, why was I scared? Just lights, but it's. It's what they signified, really. Were they going to come towards me? Uh, were they going to? Were they, was there something uh, under the water which is going to come towards me and take the boat? Or was it? It's the kind of. It's it's as soon as you get to the fear of the unknown, then then you then the fear has come in because you you're not dealing with normal stuff, are you? It, it, it's, if it was a boy uh, swimming around, you could see you know. Oh, so oh, it's just a boy. Uh, uh, if it's a second war mine bobbing around with the horns on it, you go, oh, I'll steer clear of that. But yeah, they're, they're, they're all dangerous in their own way. But this was, uh, as it's unknown, you're dealing with something which you don't know about. Then I think it's the scary thing is the possibilities are limitless, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know, you're, you're so young, you're so switched on, you're so analytical about everything that you're seeing. Mm. This would have been just an absolutely mind-bending experience in 1989 because I don't feel like the whole UFO fad was something people talked about back in 1989. It definitely not. I had read a UFO book by accident, and it was an 
uh, Eric von Daniken one. Um, we went to a, my dad just like going, browsing around the uh, secondhand bookshops. Uh, so we went to secondhand bookshop, you know, as a, as a, as, you know, I don't know, a youngster, early teens or something. And he was there saying, oh, you know, have a look. And, uh, you know, I'm going off to look at whatever. And you're kind of just poke, poking around. And um, I think it was in a bargain basket, you know, 10p or something. And it was there at Fondanik and three charities to gods. Is that, was that the name? But whatever. I, I thought that was quite interesting. And I read that. Um, but that was just kind of that was as far as it as far as, as far as it went. I did, you know, you know, the, any kind of UFO uh, experience was limited to you know reading a book like that, or you know, would there be something in a newspaper? I think there was something pretty major and maybe been in a local newspaper, but there was no way of finding anything really. It's just you know my my UFO or UAP experience was limited to a you know a couple of readings of Eric von Daniken really, um, you know and. You know, I went off during the army, and I was, uh, you know, that kind of thing was pushed way back in my, uh, way back in back of my brain. And but, uh, um, you know, wish I had a camera. You know, I mean, don't know what it was showing. Uh, you know, it was it was one of those proper. You know, you put a film in and you wind it with your thumb, make that kind of <laughs> clicking noise. You know, and then and then you press it, you you, you press your you know, button. You know, that I, I think you may still get them now, but you get them, you know, and. Uh, sell them by the beach you know you kind of, if you forgot your phone or something you can buy one for five pounds or something you know yeah, it yeah. takes 20 shots and then you get them developed and, and they all come out awful you know that's the kind of level of what we we're talking about so there's no phone footage or anything and there's no witnesses but it's I think um, I think people who are on your podcast have said when they face with stuff your mind kind of empties you just um, you, you almost get a tunnel vision you're just focused on I say the horror it's not like it's just you think god this is what I'm looking at I may never see this again my whole life I'm just what am I you know and it um, you know it's it's like I don't know like if you saw you saw a ghost or something it, you know, my my, um, my nan said uh, she saw a ghost and you know, she's not a kind of uh, a, a woman to uh, to um you know, she's not one for exaggerating or anything. She's very matter of fact. Um, and so she was a chambermaid in a big building in Bristol. And she was with a friend. They shared a bed. We we're talking about 1950s. Uh, and she's come across from Wales. And um, and then she's in bed. And she noticed a figure stood over the bed and the side of her, her side of the bed. And so she, you know, just kind of went down under the sheets. She said, still, still, there's a man by her bed. They both put their head that looked at it. It's a white kind of thing. And they both shot down under the sheets because it never happened in one night. Yeah, with cut, it gone. Um, so, but it's that kind of um, she's she t- tells about it, and she's she's in her eighties now. It's the kind of thing. Is it that's the only thing that's ever happened to her? But she still remembers it. You know, you can remember lots of mundane stuff, but this when it makes you when it shocks you, it kind of you kind of it like it almost like imprints it on you, doesn't it? And you kind of remember it, and that's why I mean I'm fifty four now, so that's why fully two years later. I still remember this event, and um, like my uh, um, mother-in-law still remembers her ghost thing because it, I think it, uh, when you get something shocking like that, you kind of it's like almost indelibly imprints it uh, on your on your um, like you can like you can imagine what you had for breakfast this morning. Someone said, "What you had for tea yesterday?" And you're oh crap, I can't remember because it's very mundane. But when you get something like this, which makes your heart stop, it kind of imprints it on your imprints it on your memory, doesn't it? And that's what this did for me. It kind of imprints it because of the unknown 
capture the danger that what's going to happen? I'm like, you know, is it, are we going to be one of these boats who get sucked into the water and, and nobody hears it? So it's must be a freak wave. You know, this kind of stuff. You know, it, basically the world's an oyster, isn't it? You're completely at the mercy of whatever is out there. It would have been the most high-tension hour of your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, well, I still remember it now. And I, was, I shut my eyes and I was chatting to you. And, um, you know, I could see it clear, you could see them clear as day. You know, these kind of lanterns, lanterns hanging there. And as um, you said, Kate, it would be nice to have got a, an overhead view, see if they made some pattern, see if they, you know, what was the purpose of them? Were they there to, and I, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, they're there to guide something. And I thought, what do you mean guide something? If they're if they're UAPs, millennia more advanced than us, why why would they need landing lights? They're not Orville and Wilbur Wright in nineteen ten, are they? Don't need you know they don't need lights. You know, surely they can find where they need to go without having some kind of you know you'd think so, wouldn't you? You know, you think they'd be more advanced than Noah, but there's some lights for you, so you can find your way back to base. You know, it seems a, it seems a little bit, tough. but um, you know, you have to you have to kind of apply things to. You know, the 20th or 21st century where you live, we still have landing lights, don't we? We still do that. So so you have to apply things to what you know, don't you? They may be known for a purpose, which we can't even imagine, really. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly it. You know, it's, it. you've got to, tr- when people have these types of encounters, they will always try to make it fit the, the paradigm that they know because the, the human brain really does have to try and make sense of what it's seen. Otherwise, you kind of have a bit of a freak out moment. Like the Romans of flying chariots, wasn't it? Didn't they say they saw stuff? Didn't they say it was like, like a flaming shield and flaming chariots and, and all the, And they refer, they just use their language, what they're familiar with. And so I said landing lights because I'm just using the language of what I'm familiar with. Uh, you know, if I take me four or five hundred years and I'd say, oh, landing lights, ridiculous. They went out years ago. It's It could be these. You know, you just use what you're familiar with. Oh, absolutely. And that's the, the, the one thing I love about any type of UFO or UAP encounter is that human element of how you're deciphering what you're seeing makes it so uniquely yours. Yes. Yeah. And as you said, and um, every um, podcast I listen to, um, one thing that comes across is that the, uh, the, the narrator, the, the person who's had the experience, it comes across as, um, comes across as uh, so believable because the person that's saying it, they actually believe it. It actually happened to them. Um, like I'm, I'm saying this, and as um, it hundred percent happened, it hundred percent happened as I'm describing it. And everybody is the same. Um, they're hundred percent believing it. Comes across in their voice, isn't it? That you know they saw this. Yari, yeah, there was there was these red eyes. There was this and that. And so, but Yari's yeah, didn't have red eyes. Well, they may not. But that's what I saw. You know, and the, you know that's why um, that's why it's. So interesting, isn't it, really? Because you've got all these people saying really believable stories, which they clearly they're telling the truth what happened to them. And there must be an explanation for it. And, you know, in the last few years, it appears we're, you know, we're getting closer, aren't we? Well, there's certainly big steps have been made. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, and that's that's the, the great part about the show is, like, people come on here and they tell their truth of what happened because who knows really what happened to to that person only that person knows and you know they are really retelling their encounter from their own point of view from their own perspective from their from the way that their their brain kind of just digested everything that just happened to them because much like yourself you know this is a paradigm kind of breaking event 
and to to take that in can be extremely difficult to make sense of that in most people have a, a split second of time to go oh wow i saw a yowie or i saw a ufo but your encounter is so unique because you had an hour with about what 20 lights yeah, from yeah, was, 50 yeah, to 100 yeah. meters away from you that is i could only yeah. imagine what was swimming through your mind well yeah first of all you're looking for the boats aren't you looking for the boats holding them up and then you get closer and you realize that you can see past the lights you can see the you can see the horizon you know you could see the light was good i mean it wasn't um it, 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 you always get calamitized don't they but it was it was um quite a light night you know so it was it was that um you know it, it wasn't dark really it was it was get, getting light but it was, it was it was quite a good light i'd say i could see past them um there was definitely nothing holding them up so you tick that off that you meant or tick this oh i said is, is there anything above and holding them up uh, no there's nothing above holding them up. okay right um and then you're going for it all until you come with nothing else other than this, this you know this is nothing that I've ever experienced before. And you've got your, you've got your stomach going and then you think, Oh, what's going to happen to me now? Have they noticed me? And then you start, uh, it's human nature, isn't it? You start thinking, you start extrapolating it backwards and going, Oh, right. Have they noticed me? Um, or is this going to be my last, last 10 minutes on earth? There's going to be something hideous rising out of water or they're going to do this, that, you know, and you're, it's, it's the fact that as it's so unknown, they could, it, they could do anything. They could ignore you. They could, um, they, they, they could um, suck your boat down. They could, um, they could, uh, you know, sort of teleport everyone off the boat and do whatever they want. It's basically you're completely helpless and at the whim of whatever this more powerful, this unknown, unknown um, entity is. And it's the complete helplessness. I mean, Twenty-two-year-old bloke, I imagine. It's only, only a couple of years away for you, from UK, but for me it was a long time ago. You know, you feel quite, you feel quite up for it, don't you? Pretty much, you know, you know. And uh, and I thought, oh, it takes all your power away, and you're there going, I feel completely helpless. Um, I'm I'm dealing with something I've never ever, uh, you've got no comprehension of, uh, and and I don't even want to wake anybody up. Um, and you know, you mean, you know, in hindsight, should have woken everybody up. Got, got, you know, and you know. And, you know, rang the bells and kind of got everybody, you know, photographs and this and that and the other. And, and for some reason you don't. Like people say, oh, I saw this and I didn't think to pick up my phone or and it, why not? I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 uh, it's that tunnel vision you get, isn't it? You, you're just kind of concentrating on what you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Your encounter is a perfect example of that. You know, you had a, a boat full of what, six other people on the on the boat there with you and you were there yeah, for an yeah yeah and you were there for an hour you just fully focused on the what was happening in front of you you were kind of just transfixed and yes i guess yeah you know like you said you know if you could go back to it today you probably would go in there and ring a bloody bell and wake everybody up and say come have a look at this but who knows if you were in the whole moment again you you may not and that's (laughs) that's that's the story of everything isn't it You, you, you don't think about what you don't do it or you're or you're kind of just yeah, you, you, your your faculties almost turn off to focus just on what you're dealing with, just because it's. I mean, I probably will never see anything like that. That's probably that's probably my, my one in a lifetime. You know, apart from the little sighting I had a, I had last year, which was nothing much compared to this. It, it's kind of your one in a lifetime big, you know, like my heart stopper, like me, uh, like me mother-in-law with her um, with her ghost by the bed. 
I think quite a lot of people have their one in a lifetime kind of one thing happens to them. Some people, nothing happens to them. I think this was my kind of one in a lifetime. And I hopefully, as, as you know, hopefully I've got a few years left in me as the, uh, as the disclosures and this happens, it will, you know, it give you a bit of a better idea. I mean, USOs are quite a new thing, I think. It's, it's becoming more and more common now, isn't it? You know, things moving at 500 knots under the sea and this and that, and, you know. And I think it's it, this is becoming, it used to just be UFOs, didn't it? But now that USOs are, are more, we're thinking, hang on, stuff, stuff's going on down there that we're not aware of. And um, It really does make everyone's encounters just that little bit more exciting. Not that they do need to be exciting, but every... Basically, I think like every at sea encounter has the potential to be a USO encounter at some point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know they move quickly, but two and a half you know, thousand kilometers from any from any land. Um, perhaps they don't need land. Perhaps they're you know obviously the multi was it um, was it when they go in air sea? I can't remember. But the, they can multi meet. Is it um some meeting in any medium? Not because uh, trans medium. Transmedium. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So. You know, you know, perhaps being transmedium, you know, it doesn't bother them whether, uh, whether you know, by a volcano or inside a volcano or inside this or that. There, you know, they're they're kind of they're happy where they are. And perhaps, uh, perhaps being uh, in a, I don't know, the Atlantic Ocean has got some pretty deep bits, not as deep as the Pacific, but perhaps if they're if they're uh, tens of thousands of feet down, um, it's probably quite a safe place to be from uh, prying eyes. Uh, you know, they can do whatever do whatever they like, really. So, Richard, what do you think you saw that day? Do you think you saw a UAP? Do you think you saw something? I have to, I have to say yes, because I know uh, you're listening, you're kind of waiting for the punchline. What do people think? And they go, oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I think I'm going to nail my colours to the mast and say, yes, I did. Um, and I've thought about it. I've thought about it for 30 years. Yeah. Even it's been in the back of my mind. You kind of, you know, when you're kind of, uh, think about something and then you put it out of your mind and then think, what was it again? Buy your mind. And you always come to the same conclusion. If it wasn't, what else could it have been? You know, there's nothing in the military. There was nothing in the Navy in 1989. I mean, I, I still don't think there is now. I mean, I'm, I'm going to nail my colors to master. Yes, it was. I, I, that's what I saw. I saw, uh, I saw, uh, UAPs or small parts of or dropped by UAPs or placed there by UAPs for some purpose which we d- we don't know they were there they were there for some reason they didn't I don't think they they left them there by accident um, they were there for some they were there for some purpose they served some purpose um, for what that is at the moment we don't know and hopefully we'll find out I mean will we I don't know it's, but it's interesting being is it it's interesting being alive at this time and place, isn't it, really? Oh, isn't it just? Isn't it just? Yes. You know, we're right on the cusp of world-shattering information about UFOs. And it almost seems like every month we're getting a new picture or a new piece of information or they're looking into things in a in a more exciting way. And I am so excited to to be on this side of history to, you know, potentially be right at the front door of disclosure and just to see what that looks like. But there's one major thing as well, is that um, what I'm pleased about having come on this podcast is now I've, I've said it um, and it's actually recorded because everything, um, everything these days is recorded, isn't it? You know, you, you, you've got to you press a, 
a, a keyboard, tapping a keyboard, and it's recorded in dozens of different places. And I'm ready to be thrown back at you. Um, this now is recorded. So, um, so should in years, you know, when I'm when I'm no longer here, it, I've I've actually uh, my 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 tale, however it is, is actually been um, has actually now now not just got is it the owner is not just in my head. It's actually out there now, which is which is great. Because if anybody had to trawl through stuff in, you know, decades or millennia time, they could, you know, you know, it's actually recording. It's actually out there now, which makes me, which makes me happy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, Don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.